But I'm just wondering about your first uh, thoughts when you first read it and you first... I mean, Selena's she's a genius already, so I mean, I'm sure you're expecting it to be good. But yeah, when you first got it, was, what, what, can you remember what you first thought when you, when you went through it? Bah, vas-y, Noemi. I was... Um, I remember where I was. I was in my, in my bathroom. In my uh, bathroom, comment tu dis, ma baignoire? Ah, bath tube. Hein? Bath tube, like the bath tube where you lay. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was in my bath and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a, 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 incredible love story. And in a vision, in a, it, it, it tells an, in a new way. And this way is, uh, is something we've missed is it's it's a female gaze and female gaze is is what it's it's yeah it's something we 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 need more it's it's our story our stories what is the good word I was, I was laughing a little bit at our fucking crocodile and D thing. I haven't talked so much about ass. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't actually. Well, oh yeah, that I was like I don't really remember what beats we hit on on that one, but that would be the one thing that we kept yeah. coming back to. <laughs> I immediately sent that that, that gif over to uh, Jared. That was a must. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess of an episode, but it's funny. Uh, what do we let's see? Uh, portrait first, then you just portrait. roll into Terminator, since those are, you know, going to be a continuation of uh, <laughs> the know. natural segue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I already got my pick, by the way, for uh, after Terminator because oh. I'm going to bounce oh, okay. off of uh, off of that. I, I kind of like the themed months who start with True Bromance. So I'm, I'm staying in the vein, but I want to uh, zig a little bit. Okay. You recommended a movie to me a while back. Okay. Secretary. Yes. Yes, I did. I finished it today, sir. What the hell? Yeah. I, I brought it up. Wait, did I directly recommend that to you? Or I feel like that was, I said that on a podcast. Right? On a podcast. Okay. So let's, let's be a little fair here. I was saying, if you have to watch Fifty Shades, the better version of that is Secretary. And you don't think so? Well... So if you're talking about sexy time, they're pretty much on par. Because I was a little disappointed in this one. I was looking for some spank bank stuff, and even with the sad turtle there doing her thing. No, I think it's meant to be off-putting. <laughs> oh yeah, but I just I was more aff- you know because obviously she has mental health issues. She's, she's like let out from like a doctor's asylum mm-hmm. or some shit like that. But what's up with him? Like. You know, I was really off put by him. It's James Spader. That's just that's just him. And, and, yeah. <laughs> oh God, I don't know, man. It was just this is the bonkers movie. I ended up liking it in the end, especially you know she's like fuck this. I'm, I, 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 this is my guy. We're doing this. I was like, when you take me to task for things I've said on uh, podcasts uh, and it's movies like I've I've not seen that since like 2004. <laughs> so, so, there was one uh, Red Belt. The David Mamet. Yeah, that's right. And I, you brought me on, and you're like, okay, so you uh, you tweeted that you liked this movie back from 2008, that it made your top 10 list. 
And I remember because I was on with your co-host who was coming to my defense. You were like doing a scene by scene takedown and then asking yeah. me to replay. <laughs> I've not seen the movie in seven years. <laughs> uh, I respect your opinion, Michael. So I seek out what you what you give me, man. So and when you when you miss, you miss. All right. Okay. Fair is fair. Let's uh, <laughs> well, let's get into a uh, portrait of a lady on fire because. All right, man. This uh, is your. This is your. Uh... Oh, you're putting this on me because I was about to say uh, film Twitter. Uh, I, I don't want to say the internet at large because I do think, you know, 99 percent of the internet is ignoring this or doesn't know that this exists. But if you are uh, making movie podcasts and you participate in social media, this was a hard one to uh, to escape for. Yeah. God, I don't. I don't even know. So apparently, this just released. Uh, you know, released in air quotes theatrically to major markets back in February for Valentine's Day weekend. I mean, it, it didn't oh. come my way, so I, I, I don't know. And also, not even at that that that, uh, that repertory theater you have downtown. I don't, I don't think so. They, because uh, I watched also, a movie in that theater. By the way, I forget what it's called, but I watched a, a movie in there. I watched the Barack Obama meets Michelle Obama movie in that oh, theater. South Side with you. Sure. Not a fan of it. I mean, I saw it too, and I I thought it was pleasant, but I don't really yeah. remember too much about it. Um, no, I'm, I want to see the Trump version of that. Boy, uh, you know, <laughs> we're gonna have to really go negative in our title for for this episode because <laughs> any portrait of a lady on fire fans we had that they just they just dipped out of this episode, <laughs> so we can just speak freely, I guess now. Um, I I guess I'll come to the defense of my local art house, uh, and maybe this will rile rile up the remaining uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire fans. Uh, Probably Valentine's Day, they're deep into uh, the Oscar stuff as far as putting it back out there. If you didn't have a chance, here are all the nominees. And uh, this one, I guess, controversially uh, in film Twitter land. Uh, and I'll, I'll just throw my co-host Dave from a podcast directed by under the bus. He had to explain to me that this got snubbed by, I guess its own country did not, it could, it couldn't win the, uh, the play in bracket to go to the best international film category. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't watch the other movie because I've only got one, one French film a year. That's it. You hit your quota and that's it. Red Kentucky Mike. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, well, you know, I I don't know what to call you when you're, you're asking for for the North side with you with uh, Donald Trump and Melania. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that makes you. It's like heavy groping and and money exchange. The the sound editing on that with the heavy breathing and, you know, just him walking five feet. I don't know how long that would last. So I think both you and I were coming to this. Actually, privately, you were begging me not to do this. and Maybe even publicly, because I feel like at the end, if you stick around for the end of our episodes where we kind of set up the next thing, yeah, you guessed this is the direction I wanted to go, and you were kind of like you, – you were the pitcher up there shaking off my signs. Trying right? to. Desperately <laughs> trying to. You know what? And you, know, you brought up Dave, which I think you're using – uh, the term film Twitter as a stand-in for Dave. So I think it's just go ahead and So any negative thing I, I say is basically Dave, which is mostly true. <laughs> but I talked to Dave, and I oh, told okay. him we were doing this movie. All right. And he said, immediate Marcus played, because you're not qualified to talk about this. <laughs> and I'm assuming it's because, uh, well, neither one of us is uh, a woman or a gay woman. So, uh, all right, let me, on that note, let me bring in my podcast. Well, I have similar appetites. How about that? (laughs) Coming soon. (laughs) 
<laughs> more fantasies about rom-coms with Donald Trump for my co-host. Uh, my podcast for this one. <laughs> Uh, it's two women and one of them, uh, you know, just kind of at the jump, um, said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a lesbian. So this, this spoke to me maybe more so than even other women. So she was kind of qualifying saying this was a little bit more personalized, but boy, uh, you talk about leaning into the fandom here. This podcast is called podcast of a lady on fire. There it is. Wow. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you're going to accuse me of like, well, you didn't have to look too far. Did you Mike? Because when I, Type into my Overcast app, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. This is the top suggestion, which rightfully so, right? It's a podcast just about this movie. So I'm curious. And I can see you're already. (laughs) I just, I'm curious. Like, oh, go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, I think here's my my opening (laughs) statement on this. uh, Okay. The, the, I don't even remember which episode I. Because it's it's fairly new, as you know, this is a newish film. Uh, and if you were going to discover it, I think what a couple months back it came on Hulu. That that's basically the premiere for like real people yes. if they want access to it. So yeah, this this podcast, um, as far as the amount of episodes they have, five five full episodes, and they just started uh, April sixteenth of this year. So kind of coordinating with. It being available for, for people Very to watch. Very moved by the movie, I'm sure, to do this. So I listened to the first episode proper. I skipped the trailer for this. And the reason I uh, chose this particular episode, just you know, being a, a new listener, uh, was that they, uh, in the show notes, said, uh, we'll discuss some of our favorite aspects of Portrait Nation, the memes, fan art, tumblogs, and more. Yeah, that's a whole topic, right? Like, is there... I'm trying to think of other things that we have sort of um, extracted from this uh, experience and made it our own. Yeah, there, it just feels like there aren't really that that many objects to cling to from the movie, the way that there might be with other things, you know? Right. Definitely. I'm definitely seeing a lot of embroidery. I think there's a lot of fan art where people have basically transformed these two characters into animals. Right. Yeah. I've seen like the bear, the the... The chubby bear and the chubby otter Yeah, bear of them. and otter, which like, yeah. has a whole separate queer connotation, which I love. <laughs> yeah, tr- oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> who's the bear and who's the otter? I... Can, do you remember? They're both, they're both sort of like very chubby and cute. So I didn't realize that they weren't two bears at first. And then someone referred to them as bear and otter. Yeah. Now I'd have to look back into it. Who would you think <laughs> is the bear and who do you think is the otter? Ooh. <laughs> and I... <laughs> This is not knocking the podcast at all, because I knew what I was getting into, or at least I thought I did. But what they were talking about, as far as the, the community that uh, yes. of the super fans for this this podcast, and this is where I remove Dave, because I have no idea what he's doing in his, his free time. I, I don't know if he has any artistic skill to, to, to make fan art for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, though it should be a <laughs> Patreon exclusive for a podcast directed by, because I would pay a dollar to see what what he's doodling there, what he focused on. He'd probably work in your face and his face in place of the, uh, which of one, the lovers. Which one am I, though? Um, I think you're the one with the longer armpit hair. <laughs> I didn't know. Did they actually have like a competition there? I would have liked to have seen, because I only saw, I think, one of the ladies that uh, was exposing that. But that's not shocking, right? Given the time period and that they're French? Yeah, no. It's, I mean... Their beauty transcends 
<laughs> you you have hated every every second of this. I can't wait to hear what your podcast is, but I'm gonna continue setting. I actually put in work, so that's besides the point. I don't think you did because mine. It's like they cracked my skull open, and I had to like try to try to fathom what it is they were talking about. It was almost like a foreign language. Uh, so they're getting into like I guess the memification of this, the shorthand. Uh, and it's, it's like a club. So it's like, you know, people who are really into this thing and it got me thinking about, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to our hits. It got me thinking about Marvel, Star Wars, all this stuff, which admittedly, like you and I are old enough to remember when that stuff was shameful to a certain degree. Like it was certainly more popular than this film, which is an art house joint. Okay. But now like, I don't think anyone, and as I said, we're very old. I don't think it would be initially like off-putting for someone to be reading a comp book, reading a Spider-Man comic in high school. No, no. Now it's, you know, you're the cool kid. So, I mean, but <laughs> to some degree, there's also that shorthand of the Simpsons comic book guy. So for a lot of nerd properties, I don't know, even going back 20, 25 years ago, uh, the 40-year-old virgin is one that sort of made an entire character out of a guy that is stuck to some degree in his fandom and it is it has sort of stunted his ability to connect with other people and that has become i guess so cliche that it's not even brought up anymore like you, you can't really go to that as a cultural touchstone as far as putting someone down for enjoying a movie about laser swords because it is it is i don't know at what point it transcended into the mainstream but it's been it's been mainstream for so long marvel movies star wars that it's like we have <laughs> the, the bullies, and that's where I say you and I come in. The bullies have to find new targets. <laughs> of so people. these are our targets. The, the. <laughs> and it's it's targets of it's like we're targeting people who are enthusiastic for things that we can't really comprehend. Like that, because I, I I wondered. I'm like, okay, if I stumble across a Star Wars podcast where they're talking about fan art and memes and deep dives into like these supporting characters that when mm -hmm. you watch the film, you're wondering like. Why are you spending, you know, more than 15 minutes on Greedo? But that's, that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, Boba Fett had like this long run of being the real popular character and he's barely in the movie. So I, I had to step back because I, I found something that <laughs> initially sort of terrified me. And then I, I, was, I guess I was checking myself because we've not even really gotten into whether you're not even liked or enjoyed this movie, but I wanted to go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum where there are people that, yeah, this is like the movie, at least with of the last year that they're right now, they are like incredibly passionate about. I'm, I'm saying that I believe them. I just don't understand them. And I think that that is really the, the crux of what you wanted to bring to the show is right. Is, is why, why, the things that we love or the things that an individual loves, why not everybody connects, right? That was the the main thing that you were going for. And, and you bring up a good point, right? And I think that Ebert, I th maybe it's Ebert. Ebert said that, that movies are on empathy machine. Yep. Is that, is that attributed to him? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we connect a lot better to movies that, um, that reflect us on screen. You know, we've talked many times about uh, everybody wants them, right? an obvious uh, look there um, for me, chef or Roma or something like that, where there's that connection there. But I think that we have, to, and we have to work a lot harder 
when it's something like this where we don't have that connection, right? Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a very – I think it would speak to someone – a, a lot a lot deeper a lot stronger if right if if you have that connection and you and i really don't other than you know my joke of the same appetite and all of that so <laughs> but i just wanted to bring that back up <laughs> but I, I i i think that it does take a lot of work i think dave's wrong i think well okay let me rephrase he's not a hundred percent wrong i think that I like we where can we were initially just, yeah, just, yeah. Well, I could have just stopped the podcast right there. <laughs> just cue up, uh, cue up the closing song. Dave's wrong. Uh, no, uh, let me rephrase that. So I think that we do have the ability to connect in in a certain way with a movie like this, even though it's not meant for us. But I think that w- w- empathy machine is the best way to describe it because we can, through this film, at least enter. The, the this sort of prism that they're in you know and, and and kind of try to be empathetic and maybe try to see another side of a culture that maybe we're not as familiar with i think uh everyone everyone understands the structure of uh in in films books art what have you uh the the, the incredible like longing that someone has for a person like you know will they or yes. won't they uh which is really popular like in uh serialized storytelling and this one, uh, you also have like the, the sort of doomed aspect of the love, uh, the, the right. sort of young love thing, like a sort of a, a first time or a first time they've, they've felt that way about another Universal. person. Universal. So all of that right. stuff is there, uh, which is why I wanted to, you know, and we may go with this because, you know, when you, you lead with Trump in the first couple minutes, I told you we got to go negative. That's why I wanted to call this podcast Portrait of a Lady on Fire is boring, and so are you, because <laughs> <laughs> because I I think it's both, right? It can be very hyper-specific as far as there's something – like, this is not something we haven't seen before, I don't think, as far as this type of story. So it's, it is not something that is groundbreaking, but to certain people, like with us, a, a movie about, you know, college jocks – playing baseball and playing pranks on each other. There's also plenty of movies where it's guys being guys, but there is something hyper specific about the beats of those relationships that spoke to you and I. And I, I like, I guess I just don't bother to engage with people that, that might be my, my only issue with this film is when there's an expectation that this is an, uh, an absolute masterpiece and everyone should get on board like that. This is something that everyone must see as if, and there are very few of those things. Like when we're talking on this podcast, like I was listening back to our in Bruges episode. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the thing that I went to was debating your, can anything be an immediate perfect film? And of course I go to Goodfellas cause I'm, I'm just taking my shot right at you, right. You know, right, right yeah. to the face there. Yeah. As far as like, I'm going to try to knock you out in one punch. I thought you staggered a bit because it's, it had to be painful for you to admit that even that would not get a perfect score on immediate watch because of your, your rewatchability agenda. But I think right. something like Goodfellas, Godfather, that stuff, maybe because it is what you're saying, rewatchability, it stood the test of time. Yes. That I think it's more universally accepted that those are, those are classic masterpiece films. You know, what's interesting is, um, you know, you, I reflected on that that comment and that 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 jab you obviously took at me uh, with Goodfellas, and I was thinking, 
what's the closest I've come to saying, like, just come out of the theater as, like, this cannot get any better. And I, I'd probably say it wasn't Goodfellas, it was Pulp Fiction. I came oh. out of the theater, and if I was an insane person and didn't, you know, and, and, did not, and didn't leave room for perfection, <laughs> then I would have given it a five. But because even then, I was just smarter than, than, than the most. I, I still gave it a four and a half, but I was blown away walking out of the theater. I was... Seriously, considering like, this, this is a five, it just doesn't get any better than this. I did see that movie like eight times in the theater, though. Well, this is an emotional response, right, to this film because of yes. its trappings, because of that that uh, that passion that has to be clamped down uh, because of the setting, the time period, or or the two the two women that you meet here. Uh, you know, there's there's I think there's also incredible longing from the people viewing it. Once you're you're sort of hooked into it, then right. there's this there's this release. Which takes a while to do. It does, and um, it was very. I don't want to come across as, uh, I guess, uh, gay bashing here. It was very. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It was very moonlight for me, in that uh, I, I got all of that from the performances almost immediately. I, I thought the two the two women here are, are fantastic, and because of that, it's almost like they're they're too good for the pace of the film for me. Where it's like I get all of it in one look, one scene, and then a lot of it is just going to be sort of dancing around something. Yeah. And yeah. I think for some people that uh, that will uh, rile up some emotions in them. And uh, it, it may speak to <laughs> how I've conducted myself with romantic interests where I would just find Jeez. that incredibly aggravating. And <laughs> You just yeah. want to just dive right in, don't you? You're Mr. Aggressive with the ladies, huh? My letterbox that, review was, was? Uh, of this was three stars, and it's no wild things. Wow. Because <laughs> I watched wild things recently, and that that works. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's get to it. <laughs> you know, yeah, So for me, on the movie... I struggled with the filmmaker like goes from like the actors really like you say bring that subtlety and and, and immediately give us what we're looking for in and but the film is structured is really heavy handed at times you know there's a sequence where she like the heart catches on fire in the painting oh my god I just like full eye roll full eye roll it's um, a little strange for um you know, for something that is being projected out or spoken of with reverence, I guess from from the communities yeah, it's coming from. Like, you know, it, it's coming from uh, the the Dave types, as we keep going. Back the to Dave it. types. Oh, boy. It's, it's coming from. <laughs> the poor uh, guy. Like, Just to bashing them. Well, it's, it's like it, it can't help but come across as snobby, right? Like if I mean, and that's that's also just how this film is being positioned. It's, it's a uh, French right. film. It's a period piece. Uh, it's about uh, this, this queer couple that, you know, in that particular time period uh, there, there, there could be no exposure of that. There could be some real consequences and, and, and damage done to these, these women. Uh, so there's no support there, but it, it does have a lot of, it does have like a lot of, you know, fairly broad as you're saying sort of mainstream romantic gestures in that yep. way and they, they sort of especially in the the end they they really double and triple down on trying oh, to tug on the heartstrings which that that's what i meant like the performances to me were so good when they were subtle and restrained that when the film is like demanding that you sort of open up the the floodgates and and, and cry and weep openly. yeah it's like pushing you forcing yeah, you it was strange i didn't expect it either 
it, that you talk about the ending and the the denouement that goes on and on and on and then goes into the uh, call me by your name ending ripoff where we just have the close up yeah. on the lady and just yeah you know what's his name did it a lot better um, does this i tell you what time. does <laughs> when you know when we're we're doing this like sort of horse trading of movies or or treating them like sports teams is this is this is Portrait of a Lady on Fire now the goat? And previously, call call me by your name on film Twitter. You know, it, it superseded Moonlight or whatever. Like these are these are. It's not too as I said. I don't want to make it seem like oh, there's only room for one. Uh, you know, film about queer relationships, but the the passion for them and to to hit similar similar beats in that way with that that incredible longing and the withholding of love. Um. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I went with wild things, which is obviously a joke because I don't think anyone's celebrated that as a part of like gay cinema because it's meant for straight men to, it's meant to hashtag titillate. nasty Hellcat. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, I find myself way more of a love Simon type guy, which I, I like when I had to turn that off. Really? I thought it was so heavy handed. I, I was just, it was very much a paint by numbers kids movie. See, and that's I, what I, I, guess, I, I, I'm like, give me the popcorn version. Like, I, I, I guess I, uh, I fear like that these type of stories that it's like, when will there be a genuine crossover where it's something that is, you know, it's, it's playing next to like love Simon to me is not that far removed from the target audience for like, she's all that. But it's very mm, different when you yeah. have, uh, you know, gay relationships in She's All That. And it's not a supporting character that is just there to prop up the, the, the straight characters to have their fairy tale ending. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm looking for the, uh, the, the mainstreaming of it to a certain degree where, yeah, I, I want it to be like the, the YA version where it's just, an, it's just another like sort of cute rom-com. Yeah, you know, I I see the, I see the validity in that because that's, again, bringing up uh, – we should just start calling him Grendel here too. You know, I've had this conversation with him many times in private about uh, about I just want it to be normalized. I want all of it to just go away. Like I, I want to be in that perfect world. Obviously, I know that this is this is not the case, but in my world, in my sphere, it's normalized, right? You know, uh, you know, two men come for Thanksgiving dinner, and they're a couple. All right, cool, brother. You know, you better make a good casserole, though. You know, that's all. That's there's all still, I'm there's still judgment, on. is what you're saying, as far as on there, especially with you, with what. Uh, what they're presenting on the on the table. You've already that's all I'm already brought you on. Chef into the conversation. So yes, yeah. I that's I want it to be normalized, and I could see that you know that that maybe that is an attempt at normalization or whatever. But um, I can I can dislike it equally. I can dislike <laughs> throw hate just as equally. I'm know, just so. happy that you know when uh, I'm bringing up these these movies that you you uh, are out trumping me. In that regard, <laughs> you're like, oh, I hated that one too. <laughs> well, let me, you know, you mentioned how I, I opened up the show with talking about Trump, and, you know, uh, I, that's probably not the worst thing I'm going to do because I'm going to rip off an old scab when I bring up my podcast here. Okay. Just tear open an old wound between us. Um, so we're talking about movies that we don't understand why everybody doesn't love it and all this stuff. So I cheated a little bit on my podcast. Um, this podcast is called Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. That's the name of the podcast. Okay. And, and what they do is they go after young adult books that have been made into movies. So they read the book and they watch the movie. And they kind of compare, contrast, d- dissect a little bit. And this week they chose to talk about me, Earl, and the dying oh, girl. Oh. Awful. <laughs> Awful. 
and, and uh, you know the, the reason they tore I'm I I have had my fair share of tearing into movies and stuff. I haven't seen anything torn apart like they tear apart the book to me and the dagger and they are actually because the book is so bad to them they're kind of favorable of the movie <laughs> I don't know like this book almost doesn't have a sense of what it's actually trying to achieve no. it seems as though Jesse Andrews has set out to say I'm going to write something for young adults that doesn't confine itself to the tropes of young adult literature and in doing so he has instead just made this mess this hodgepodge yep. I am too smart for myself kind of BS, but it's not willing to spend any time with any other character except Greg. Greg is so obviously based on the writer. Yeah. Yep. And therefore he lacks any kind of self-awareness about what a piece of garbage he is. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this. I'm not deliberately trying to attack the writer. People seem to genuinely like this book. But when I was reading it, I could not understand the appeal. And it felt it felt like a self-indulgent masturbatory exercise. I don't know if this makes it good for me. I, I mean, I, don't, I have no experience <laughs> with the book. So I don't know what, uh, you know, sort of emergency surgery they did on the material. Well, well the, um, the, 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 the same criticism that you had. Basically, the lead character is such a dick. Yeah. And he's just this, you know, he's, the world revolves around him and yada, yada, yada. And it's, the the book is a little more racist and the book is a little more sexist and all this stuff. Same, same criticism you had, they had, but about the book and um, a little bit more favorable because it's, I guess they tone it down in the movie, obviously, <laughs> because you didn't have that reference point of seeing how bad it can really get. <laughs> look, look, look at how bad this beating could be. Mm-hmm. You were so negative on the book, but and 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 my position on this was I actually enjoyed the movie because I felt it's realistic. Teenagers are like this; they mm-hmm. are self centered. They they will, uh, they would not care about this person. I, I I found it to be yes, I agree with you that he's a dick and all this stuff, but I found it to be realistic because that's exactly what we are. I, I think I just viewed it from a perspective of of acknowledgement of our shitball society whereas you wanted you know the 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 rosier side of it i mean i have already expressed an enthusiasm for love simon where that guy's he's a good dude right he's good you know with his family uh you know he he makes some uncomfortable decisions uh because of uh you know that that current uh closeted nature uh of his sexuality with his friends which you know but I, I think that it's it's forgivable in that context. That's about the worst thing he does is just, you know, not wanting to be forced to to be outed before he's comfortable. So I don't think that's as bad as I don't I don't remember who uh, me is. I don't remember the character and uh, me and Earl and the dying girl. And I don't need. I to. believe his name was Greg. Greg. Sure. I, I, know, I was thinking like a Todd or something. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Some white guy's name. What do you want me to do? I don't know. His name was Mike. <laughs> I'm not, Dave, I don't know. Yeah, probably Dave. Grendel. Um, yeah. I, you know, I I can see, even like me and Earl and Dying Girl, I could see like the the fandom for it. I could see it because there's, there's certainly a lot of quirks there. And yeah. um, like I, I, I see Portrait of a Lady on Fire, like it's not one that I 
can come away with and I'm just totally thrown why there's such passion for it because it's, it's a beautiful thing to look at. It's, it's, you know, it's a beautiful film. Absolutely. And I, I could see being behind the performances and the subject matter. Uh, but it, it, it's, it, it is the sort of attempt at being universal uh, while the themes are there that I, I, I guess I would, I, as much as I believe people are passionate about it, that's where I would have to argue with them as far as their, to ma- manage their expectations. Like, and for me, like I'm, I, I would find that to be I, I like, cool. I, I like when I'm, I find this little thing, like it's like, you know, a band that no one else really likes, but for whatever reason, that's like, that's like your music. That's like the, the soundtrack to like, you know, important moments in your life. And it's not something that's been ruined or bastardized by being on beer commercials yet. That's, you know, that's, it, it's terrible when you find that. So, I, I'm not saying that Portrait of a Lady on Fire is ever going to be playing in like a double bill with Wild Things, and then people are going to throw their hands up like, "Oh, this is this is not what we wanted here." Portrait of a Lady on Fire is going to be the new Miller Lite commercial. Is that <laughs> yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, unless you know, I guess an argument could be made that uh, maybe you would open some some beer drinking minds there if they you know were pointed to Hulu. I doubt it. This is always going to be. Like th- this one, I guess, probably is the most. Would you say it's the most inside baseball for cinephiles? Uh, when we're talking about something like a Moonlight or Call Me by Your Name, like which of those three that have been really successful within the Letterbox community and for Moonlight with the Oscars, you know, which one of those do you think has broken out or will have the most like long-lasting sort of, I guess, uh, pop culture reverence within? The letterbox community, as you refer to it, or film Twitter, however you want to call it, that's one thing. Or are you asking? I'm saying across the board. Can any like, of those have, or have any no. of them broke? No. So you don't, no. you don't expect any of them no. will. So, like, the one thought I had was, no. and this is unfair to these films, but that Birdcage is probably the only one. Like, if you're talking about, you know, something like that, where it's it's got a broad shtick appeal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And obviously, pre. Uh, uh, where we before we started like really critiquing how we how we have our uh our queer characters on ca- on screen and how they're represented i think birdcage is is the the one that's going to hold the test of time i was about to go to uh i don't know how much like television you watch rarely do i i actually watch live tv but uh i've noticed some some ads for and i think uh uh you know fellow uh, movie podcaster uh, jameson rabbit uh, I, I saw on his social media feed that he was sort of, uh, you know, mildly enthused that because there's a lack of programming, because uh, you know they're not making content right now because of the uh, COVID nineteen, that uh, CBS is going back to their like Sunday night movie like thing, which is oh that's cool, it is cool, and it's you know they're doing the whole retro sort of like advertising for it, the logo, uh, but the films that you know Forrest Gump. <laughs> was one of them uh the first mission impossible with tom cruise which uh I, for whatever reason even though there's only a two-year separation between forrest gump and the first mission impossible film uh forrest gump i i think because of its content i'd already accepted as like yeah that's that should be an old movie for old people uh but mission impossible it uh it made me scared high road to see that as like a sunday night classic on cbs classic. <laughs> yeah. tom cruise that's like when you turn on the uh the classic rock station and pearl jam is playing or yeah. or yeah. blink 182 is playing on the classic rock station now that's uh you you've aged quite a bit um just circling back to portrait of the lady and its popularity i mean you know i understand 
we all want to be represented, right? We all want to see ourselves in the film, you know. I, and I was like trying to say, where, where do I? What do I want to see? What am I clamoring for? And and what am I going to give a little bit of a grading on a curve? And I think it's when Michael Pena gets on screen, you know, because there's not a lot of Latino um, leading men or leading ladies, right? I mean, Jennifer Lopez every now and then has a movie, or you know, Sama Hayek, but for the men. We don't have our guy. We don't have our Brad Pitt, our mm-hmm. Denzel, mm-hmm. right? So I look at Michael Pena movies, and I kind of grade them on a curve a little bit mm-hmm. because I, I'm hungry for that. He's I also really good, though. He's usually he's like the best part of some you know fairly average movies is when he Absolutely. appears on screen. Absolutely. Um, I, I went back and rewatched Crash. Um, and, you know, that is why a, did you write it and stuff? A reviled but, movie now, yeah. But you watch his sequences, particularly the sequence with the bullet, and it's mind-blowing how good he is you know and it's maybe michael pena is my lesbian ladies cue the music (laughs) i just want to see him on screen man i i mean editor mike is thinking i i don't know if we go out on anything but that like (laughs) song plays um you and i i think I don't know. I, I can't really keep straight what we've talked about, like privately and like on podcasts. But like, just to go back to everybody wants some. Uh, you know, I I I think there's obviously been a lot of white dudes hanging out with each other, um, in particular, and there was a revival of that with like uh, when Seth Rogen sort of broke out in comedies, where it's just like sort of average-looking white men just like riffing with each other. And while right. everybody wants some, is very different from those type of comedies. You know, it's it's in the same ballpark uh but I, I remember seeing you know and i i would assume that it's a lot of the same people that love portrait of a lady on fire like turning their nose up at you know more of this sort of uh, more dumb white guys playing a sport we don't need any more of this and yet to me when i watch that movie i'm like is there is there is there more like this like point me in the right direction yeah. film twitter yeah, where exactly. can i find more because it felt so hyper specific and so that's that's why like i'm, I'm very happy for like this podcast of a lady on fire. Like I can respectfully admire their enthusiasm for something I don't understand. And I'm not speaking of the movie so much as the fact that they're people like making fan art about something that doesn't have a laser sword and spacesuit. And that's on me, right? Cause I've just come to accept it's normal for people to draw right. a man in spandex, but why this? Uh, but yeah, like I, I had that immediate connection to everybody wants some thinking that I was seeing my friends on screen or how I interact with my friends and I don't care if anyone else gets, it. I don't even care if they hate it. Like, you know, this was me. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't need, and nor do I expect everybody wants some to ever play on uh, CBS Sunday night movies for as long as this lasts. And I think that's pretty cool. No, I, I... <sighs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I was trying to think of the, what about that movie really hit home. And I think that Linklater does a great job of capturing the, that human element, right? He, he he finds that inner thing. Even like you're looking at a romance, like the Before trilogy or or the Boyhood movies, he is not focusing on these like big muscle movements, right? These are movies that are about nothing, right? They're just walk and talk or interact and sit back and watch the human element on on screen. And when you see that. Um, you, you almost transport yourself. Like you could be any one of those guys. You're probably not the one who hits the baseball really good. You're probably like the the pitcher with the glasses, you know, out there. I I, I see you as that guy. I was a I, I'm a I'm a decent pitcher. I never was that great of a hitter. I'll give you that. 
I am the opposite. I am a I'm a, a slap hitter. I am a slap hitter, <laughs> but I'm I, you cannot strike me out. So what is yeah. it like the the Vlad Guerrero sort of strike zone where you can you know put the bat on the ball no matter where it is? Yeah, I was going to go more Tony Gwynn, but whatever, you know. Okay, all right, going a little bit older. That's fine. You're you know, well, playing that's... the CBS Sunday Night Movie crowd. <laughs> all right, man, I think that uh, – so what are we doing next time? Um, it's my pick, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's your pick. Okay. All right, so – The natural here, here. transition. <laughs> yeah, this is how we're doing it. Um, I'm sticking with the ladies. You know, here we got a, a couple of ladies letting the arm hair grow. And uh, what I'm going to do is I want to talk about a little bit more popcorn fare is so I'm going to talk about the new Terminator, the the dark fate thing where, you know, we take all of our man violence and convert them into women. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but what I want to talk about is how the movie kind of folds up on itself. Right. And, and it becomes the franchise that you just can't kill no matter what, no matter how bad, no matter how good. It just won't go away. I have to admit, uh, you, you'd give me a hint that that's what the theme was going to be because we're recording these back to back. But uh, you threw me off with converting man violence to women. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> like that as an alternate Mondo poster title. We'll see. We'll see if we get that from the cool kids. Probably not. All right. No. So Terminator Dark Fate uh, for yes, the sir. next episode. So we'll uh, hopefully you'll stick with us for another week. Portrait of a Lady on Fire fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh.